I'm uh, grateful that uh, Don gave me an opportunity to share today my uh, going away message with you, I guess you call it. I don't know what you call it. But I know what was in my heart is much like Peter when he said, I want to be able to remind you some things so when I'm gone, you'll be able to recall them. And that's my heart this morning. And I kind of said, God, what, what message has really defined who I am and, and what you've done in my life? And so my desire this morning and I guess I want to say it this way, forgot everything I've ever said over 38 years, even just remember this one. And if you put it into operation, I promise you your life will never be the same. And God will do things you'll be standing amazed of, as George prayed. There'll be no explanation for your life except for God himself. So this is what I want to do. In eight words... I want to communicate to you and summarize the core message that has driven my life, my ministry, my preaching. I think these eight words really are at the core of the gospel. And these eight words you find throughout the structure of the entire Bible as you read it over and over again. And these words are important because of the problem or the need or the reality of the thing we call inadequacy. We all are inadequate. Um, whether you know it or not, maybe in a few minutes you'll understand what I mean by that if you don't understand. But inadequate means I'm not enough. Uh, I, I, I don't have what it takes. I can't do that. I don't have that ability. And we all face things in our life that are like that. We have situations that we face that are bigger than we're smart. And we face things that are stronger than we're strong. I think of the verse with uh, Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament. There's, there's armies coming against us. Lord, we're powerless before this enemy. Neither do we know what to do, but my eyes are on you. God, I'm powerless. This thing's bigger than I'm strong. I don't know what to do but my eyes are on you. And so, so many times we find ourselves in situations like that. I think of strongholds. You know, a stronghold is something that maybe I would have held on to it for a while, but after a while I wanted to let it go, but I found out that it's holding on to me and it won't let me let go. We have things like anger, could be anxiety, it could be addictions. Could be bitterness, could be envy, fear, greed, insecurity, pride, materialism, sexual impurity, unforgiveness, the list goes on and on and on. And we find those things in our life that we just don't want anymore, and we want to get rid of it, and, and we're finding it just, it's, it's got me, it's holding me a prisoner, it's a stronghold in my life. Then you add to this. This is what God calls every person to. First of all, that every word that comes out of my mouth is used to build up and bless the person who's in front of me in light of the need of that very moment. And that every thought that I think 
is brought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and my thinking becomes consistent with Jesus' thinking and with his word. And every motive I have and everything I do is to bring glory to God. Then you add on top of that, he says, you know what, we're to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength all the time. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we're really honest with ourselves and say, whoa, when I take a look at life like that, I realize that the Christian life is not a difficult life. It's an impossible life. Nobody can pull this thing off. We are inadequate to live the Christian life. But there's good news. The good news is this. As a matter of fact, they call it the gospel in the Bible. Gospel means good news. And it's good news about the person of Jesus Christ. And the good news is the heart of what makes us adequate. It doesn't come from us, it comes from him. And so, this is what I want to communicate to you today. I want you to understand that the same gospel that we're saved by is the same gospel that we walk by. Matter of fact, the same gospel that we're saved by is the same gospel that we walk by, and it's the same gospel that we grow by, and it's the same gospel that we serve by, and it's the same gospel we do spiritual warfare by. So if we understand the gospel, we can understand the whole heart of the Christian life and the principle of how to live it. And so that's what I want to do this morning, is define for us what is the gospel and how do we live it out in our daily life. And this is where my eight words come in. This is my attempt in eight words to summarize what the Bible has written and told us about the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the way that I say it. I can't, only Jesus can rely on Jesus. I can't, only Jesus can rely on Jesus. And I'm going to try to unfold that for us this morning to give us some handles on why I say that. Because as you look in the Bible in Romans chapter 1, and today because of the amount of time, which they did give me plenty of time to preach, thank you, good brother. Uh, that, that's not the issue, but I, I, I have a lot I want to say, a lot of verses, I'm going to put them all on the PowerPoint. And in Romans 1, now we hear the core of the gospel, how God defines it. This was Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, writing in his word, the core. So I gave you the core of the gospel in my eight words as I tried to summarize it. Now here's the core of the gospel. As Paul says it in Romans 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and I'm going to look at the big screen. Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Here it is. This is what we learn about the gospel. What's in the gospel? What's revealed in the gospel? The righteousness of God. 
from faith to faith. It is, it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. That's the core of the gospel in God's words. But I want you to notice something. It's not just righteousness. It's not just about living a good life and being right. Did you notice it says the righteousness of God? The gospel reveals to us the righteousness of God. And we got to continue to think around that realm about when we think of the gospel and not just about living good lives. And you say, well, Pat, where do your words come in here? I can't. Only Jesus can. Rely on Jesus. It's all right there. The righteousness of God. I can never be as righteous as God. I can't. It's called sin. Only Jesus is as righteous as God because he is God. And so what do we do with that truth? We rely upon Jesus. I want to unfold that for you a little bit more. And, you know, whenever I talk to people about the gospel of Jesus, and I'm talking to somebody who I say, you know what, you need to know this Jesus. Uh, there's three topics that I always build my conversation around. It's sin, Jesus, and faith. Sin is I can't. Jesus, he can. Faith is where I rely upon him. And so when I talk about sin, you know, I, I, this I can't, starting right there with I can't. What I do here is I recognize and I help people see the standard that God has set. You know, there's, it's God's righteousness. It's not about just being good and being moral and going to church more and be, doing good deeds. The standard that God has set is the very righteousness of God. And when I'm honest with myself and anybody else say, I come a long ways short of that. Some of us call it falling short of the glory of God, missing the mark. That's what sin is. I can't. I fall short of that standard that God has set. I cannot live that way. And the way I illustrate that is the righteousness of God is not just here at the roof of this building, we got to blow the roof off, and if it was a sunny day, I'd say the righteousness of God goes way, way, way up in the sky, just as high as we can see. That's the standard of where Jesus is. That's God's holy, righteous standard, the righteousness of God. Now, forgive my good friend sitting on the floor. I'm going to call you the 10 o'clock news people. You're the guys who, you know, you rob banks and... You do all kinds. You can fill in the blank. You watch the 10 o'clock news. You represent them. You know, and, and we all go, yeah, those guys are in real trouble. Those are bad people. Now, my family's sitting down here, so if the rest of you feel offended, they'll talk to me about it later. I, I get it. But this is just for illustration. Like, down here, but now we got the mezzanine people. Here we go. We got good people over here. We got moral people. We got people that do good deeds. They're, you know, on the righteousness standard, they're a little bit better than the 10 o'clock news people if we're honest with ourselves. But then we go up here in the balcony. These aren't only good and moral people.
people who do good deeds, they're religious people. They're the holier-than-thou group here in the church this morning. You'll hear from them every once in a while, amen, and encore and stuff like that. They're the, they're the holier-than-thou people. But here's the problem. Where's the righteousness of God at? It's way, way, way up in the sky. No matter how bad we are, or no matter how good we are, no matter how religious we are, we all fall short of God's holy, righteous standard of his own righteousness. And that's called sin. And the penalty of that is death. Eternal separation from God. But then we move and we make a switch from I can't, I can never live, I can never do enough, be enough, but only Jesus can. Because who is Jesus? He's God. He's the embodiment of the righteousness of God. He's without sin. He's perfect. He's holy. He's full of goodness. He's full of righteousness, perfection. Jesus is the embodiment of the righteousness of God. And this is what he did. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. He made him who knew no sin. Jesus, the righteous one, right? He knew no sin, perfect. Same righteousness that God has, because he is God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. What's that mean? Jesus died for my sins and for yours. The penalty for sin of not living up to being who God has called us to be and doing what God's called us to do, the penalty of that is death. But Jesus took that death for you and me. The righteous one, the perfect one, God placed on him my sins, and look at what the exchange is, so that we might become what? The righteousness of God. And so here we go. It's not just so you can become righteous and become good and do good things. But what has happened here is that God makes the greatest trade offer of all time. I'm going to take your sin and the penalty and put it on Jesus, and he's going to pay it in exchange I'm going to give you the very righteousness of Jesus, his righteousness. You see, we learn in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, there's two kinds of righteousness. And, and Paul said, that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that's the mezzanine and the balcony people, that's a righteousness of your own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. There's two kinds of righteousness in the world. There's the righteousness of good and moral people that do good deeds. Uh, there's the righteousness of those who do all that and they're religious and do all the religious activity and stuff on top of it. But there's, a third, there's another kind of righteousness, that's the righteousness of man. There's the righteousness of God. And there's two ways to get there. 
One, he says, is derived from the law, trying to keep and obey and do everything that God wants you to do. So you're trying to live that good life and be all that God's calling you to do. That's derived by trying to keep the law. The other one comes on the basis of faith. And so we've seen so far, I can't be all that God wants me. Only Jesus can. And that righteousness comes on the basis of faith. That's our third point. Rely on Jesus. I can never be that good. Only Jesus can. I need to rely upon him. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. It's not a result of work so that nobody could boast. And so what we find here. Like John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him, the response to this truth, these truths that I can never be enough, only Jesus is, is we're called to rely on Jesus. And I want to try to illustrate that. I hope, I know, uh, I hope you were here last week. Don, you did such a great job with... Uh, helping us understand what biblical faith really looks like. And uh, Don took us through and said, you know, it's not just about an intellectual agreement with Bible facts. So I know the truths and I believe those and I accept them and I can state them and I can repeat them and I can memorize them and so forth and so on. So there's one kind of faith that is an intellectual acknowledgement and agreement with the facts. But biblical faith is about relying on a person that these biblical truths tell us about. <laughs> they tell us about Jesus and what he did. And so rather than uh, just agreeing intellectually with this, I need to rely upon what this is telling me and I gotta bet my life on it. So right now my two legs are holding me up. I'm relying on these two legs to hold me. This right leg is who I am. It's the person I am. It, it, it has to do with my morality and my goodness and, and, and things like this. My left leg is what I do. That has to do with good deeds and religious activities and religious rights. And so right now, I'm trusting on these to hold me up. Now this is... This wall represents Jesus, who he is, the son of God, fully God, fully man. He, what he did, fully holy, fully righteous, without sin, that's who he is. And what he did is he died on the cross to pay for my sins and he rose again to give me a brand new life. So there's two kinds of faith. There's a saying faith where I can say all the right things. I can really say, yeah, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Yes, uh, we're all sinners. Yes, Jesus is God. And we go on and state all the biblical facts and say all the stuff. You say, I agree with that. I believe that. But what's holding me up? I'm still relying on myself. And I'm still trusting in how good I can be or what I do. But what biblical faith is, is when I transfer my trust from myself 
to Jesus. Now what's holding me up? Nothing but Jesus. I'm betting everything I have on Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't come through, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna come through. I'm no longer relying upon my legs, what I can do and who I am. My total trust right now is in Jesus and who he is and what he's done. That's biblical faith. It's relying upon Jesus and what he said, knowing that he will do what he said. And it's not just intellectually agreeing. And so this is what happens. I come to that place and I recognize, I say, God, I can never be who you want me to be. I fall short. I'm, I'm a sinner. And then I turn and I put my eyes on Jesus. But Jesus, you are everything that God requires of us. And you paid my penalty. And you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And you rose from the dead to give us a new life and to offer us the very righteousness of God as a gift. And the Bible says that when I put my reliance on the person of Jesus and what he did for me, at that moment, not only are my sins are forgiven, but God puts to my spiritual account the very righteousness of Jesus. And so now I'm what they call declared righteous. I'm justified. And when God sees me, Scripture says I'm hidden in Christ. He looks at Pat now, he sees Jesus. Not a perfect Pat, not a greatly righteous guy, but he sees Jesus because I'm hidden in Christ. I'm clothed in Christ. And Jesus now is my righteousness rather than my own. And that's what happens when we put our faith in Christ. So, here's the transition. The same gospel we're saved by is the same gospel we walk by, right? Same gospel we serve by. Same gospel we grow by. Same gospel we do warfare by. So let's go back and let's review that. You know it now. I can't. Only Jesus can rely on Jesus. Well, how does that work then? Well, guess what? Now that I've been saved, forgiven, declared righteous, the standard's still the same. God still calls that every word I speak build up the person I'm speaking to and bless them in the need of the moment. Every thought that I have is brought captive to the obedience of Jesus, that everything I do with every motive would be to bring glory to God, that I love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength all the time, and that I love my neighbor as myself. And so all of this still is the standard that's up there. And guess what? I'm forgiven. I'm declared righteous, but I can't pull that off. But here's the good news. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. And so now what we have is not only was I forgiven and declared righteous, God did something else when I put my faith. He says, I was born again. And what he did is he took out my old heart and he placed in a brand new heart within me. A heart that now wants to and has the capacity to walk with God. And then he did this. He placed his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, inside of that new heart. So now he lives in me and he not only 
gives me the desire to live for God, he works in me the ability to live for God. And so, as the scripture says, my adequacy in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, my adequacy is not in me to be a servant of God. It comes from God. I love, this is the power of the gospel. I love this little statement. Forget everything else is said today. If you can capture this one and take it. The power of the gospel is this. God produces in and through us what he desires of us. You get that? That's what we're saying today. It's not me pulling it off for God. It's God producing in me. He now lives in me. He's in this brand new heart and he produces in me what I could never produce in myself. So I can't live the way God calls me to live. Only Jesus can, but guess what? Jesus is now living inside of me. And so now what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to rely on Jesus. You see, we got two options when we come to this point. We see God calls us to something. And I can turn to myself, turn to all my hard efforts, turn to religious activities, turn to follow all kinds of programs and accountabilities. Or I can turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, you gotta do a miracle here. If you don't do a miracle, it's never gonna happen. I'm no longer relying upon what I can pull off. I'm relying on Jesus. So often as I walk through the day, I have no idea how many times the image is in my mind. I'm relying on Jesus. I'm looking for Jesus to do a miracle. And so as I'm relying upon him, something happens. For those who are real theological, we start with justification. Now we're talking about sanctification. There's a gradual work of Jesus inside of me where he breaks down the things in my life that really look more like Pat Peglo, and he starts to fill me more with Jesus. As Paul said, I labor among you until Jesus' life is in you and produced in you, and there's more and more of Jesus and less and less of me, and I progressively not only am declared righteous, but my life becomes a little bit more righteous. My, my, my motives get better, my thinking gets better, you know, my words get better because as I'm relying on Jesus, the indwelling Jesus is doing in me what I can never do for myself. See, the whole Christian life is a life of I can't, only Jesus can rely on Jesus. Let me give you two verses to capture this and then we're moving towards the end. I know you guys are looking forward to those snacks out there. Did I smell, I'm not telling you, I told Kim, it smells like I smell popcorn. Do they got popcorn out there or something? Man, it so. But anyhow, he put up this first verse here in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. If you're a believer in Jesus, Christ lives in you, the only one who can pull off this life. If you're not a believer in Jesus, that's what you need today. And so what he says now, and the life which I live now in the flesh, the life that I'm living right now in this body, as I'm walking on this earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. How do we live, believers? The same way we get saved. So many Christians, we know we're saved by grace through faith, but as soon as we get saved, we put on a new hat. 
We start working hard. We start following all the stuff. We do a lot of religious activity. We think, oh, that's going to make us what God wants us. And what we're called here is say this. I'm not relying on myself, Jesus. I'm relying upon you. My life now in the flesh is a life of faith in the Son of God to do in me what I can't do for myself. Hebrews 13 says this. I pray this daily. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us. That which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Jesus lives in me. Jesus is working in me. Jesus is producing in me and through me what God desires and requires of me. I gotta rely upon Jesus. That's the whole Christian life. And this isn't a passive thing. This isn't about, you know, that somehow you're just kind of sitting back, I'm relying on Jesus, he's gonna do everything. You know, when, when we tell, hold the tensions of scripture, it's what I've called due diligence, deep dependence. God calls us to some things we're responsible for. But at the same time, I gotta, and I gotta engage in those things. But while I'm engaging in them, there's a deep dependence that Jesus is gonna do in me what I can't do for myself. Philippians 2 talks about this. He says this, so that just as you always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more even in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trial. That sounds like something I'm supposed to do. I'm being engaged in this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, we, we got responsibilities. I'm not talking about a passive Christianity. We sit back to another way for Jesus to do it all. We engage. But as we're engaging, we're trusting Jesus to do a miracle I could never pull off. This summer, Kim and I went to the Upper Peninsula and as I was thinking about this truth, I was thinking as we drove up our, um, our car up there, and you know what, I, I got the car ready, gassed it up, had the oil changed, made sure the tires were good, had our mechanic check the belts and the hoses, you know, so, I, so we, you know, I did all this responsible stuff. Got all the luggage in the car, got behind the wheel, you know, engaged, turning on the key, holding the steering wheel, changing the gears, paying attention. So I was fully engaged what I was doing. But you know what got us to the Upper Peninsula? It wasn't me, it was the car. The car did all the work, didn't it? Those of you who know me well enough know we could have got a block and a half and we would have had to quit if it was on me to get there. I was engaged, but the car did all the work. And it's the same way with God, I'm engaged. And I'm doing what Romans 1 talks about, the obedience of faith. My obedience is supposed to come from faith, not me trying my hardest to do it. And out of that obedience of faith as I'm doing, God works miracles as we rely upon him. Heard somebody say one time, we do 100% and God does 100%, but don't worry, God's 100% is way much more than yours. And that's what I'm saying with a car. I was 100% engaged with getting up there, but believe me, the car's 100% is what got us there. We need to live with our due diligence 
and going after what God's called us to do, but at the same time relying deeply that Jesus will do that miracle of producing it in me. So I'm not like the Pharisees who only externally do what God wants, but like a born-again Christian, God himself produces something in me that's real. So here's a couple PowerPoints to close this up, different ways to say what I've been saying all morning. Hopefully we'll connect for you. Like this, first one. We think of the Christian life as about a changed life, but it is actually more about an exchanged life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The gospel is not only about a substitutionary death, it's about a substitutionary life. Christ living for us from within us. It's not all about me living for Jesus, it's about Jesus living for me, which produces in me the ability to live for Jesus. We get things backwards. It's a brand new life, the life of Jesus living within me that makes the difference. And we gotta remember, brothers and sisters, the Christian life's not just about Jesus as my substitute on the cross, it's Jesus as my substitute in life, as I rely on him to do things for me that I can never do for myself. Second one is this. I love this, I think of this often. We are saved by transferring our trust from ourselves to what Jesus did on the cross for us in the past, right? Just talked about that. Jesus did something for me on the cross in the past, rose from the dead, and I'm relying upon him and what he did. But you know how I live today? We walk by transferring our trust from ourselves to what Jesus will do in my heart in the present. You catch the difference between the two? (laughs) Same faith, same Jesus, same transfer from myself to him. And I need to transfer my trust for myself and what I can do to be saved into Jesus, what he did on the past on the cross, to today I need to transfer from what I can pull off to what Jesus can do in me as a miracle right now in my heart as he's living in me, as God produces in me and through me what he desires and requires of me. So here's our message today. I can't. Only Jesus can. Rely on Jesus. So here's the the takeaway. It's not a shift in what you do. You guys say, give me something to do today. You know, this message is not about a shift in what you do. It's a shift in the way you do what you do. It's a shift in the way you think about what you do. And so what I want to encourage you is when you're reading God's word, when you're hearing a sermon from my good brother Don, when you're reading a book, when a brother or sister is in front of you, when the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart, and he's calling you to obey something, and he's challenging you to commit all for Jesus, to lay it all down for Jesus. I want you to remember this, obedience commitment, giving it all to Jesus, living all for Jesus, obeying God is a fruit of the work of God. It's not our work to get us there. So you just need to commit. 
Then your life will be put together. Then you'll see God working. No, what you need to do is you need to turn to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I can never live the way you call me to do. I can never live wholeheartedly for you. I can never commit the way I need to commit. But I'm turning to Jesus right now who lives in me, and I'm relying upon him and opening my heart and say, Jesus, do whatever you want to produce in me the commitment and the kind of life that is 100% for Jesus. So I just want to encourage you as you're calling to others, or as you're listening to others, call them to Jesus. Not to try harder and to give more and to do more, but for Jesus to produce that in you as you look to him. So this is my final quote from Watchman Nee. Um, I think it's in the normal Christian life he says this. And this is what I want you to think of every time you're faced with a challenge in your life that you feel inadequate. Living in the Spirit means that I trust the Holy Spirit to do in me what I cannot do myself. Each time I'm faced with a new demand from the Lord, I look to Him to do in me what He requires of me. It's not a case of trying, but of trusting Him. I can't. Only Jesus can rely on Jesus. Moraine Valley, that's my encouragement to you. I believe our greatest days are ahead. God's going to do amazing things through this team. you got an amazing staff. Uh, God is going to do wonderful things. But it's not because they can or you can. It's because Jesus can. And as we rely upon him, and I sing that song we sing, think of all this trust in this room, and we put it in Jesus, well, it's doing our due diligence talking to others about Jesus, but relying upon Jesus to show up and do a miracle in the middle of that. As we live like that, the life of Jesus will be produced through this body and multiplied over and over and over again. Thanks for letting share my heart. I love you guys. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for the wonderful gift you've given us of a brand new heart and of Jesus living inside of our hearts and you producing in us what we could never produce ourselves. God, you can make men that struggle with loving their wives to be men who love their wife like Jesus loves the church. You can take people that are caught in strongholds, Lord, and you can turn uh, their mourning into dancing and their graves into gardens. God, I want to thank you. This is about Jesus and about what you have done through him. And Lord, we're just so grateful for him. I'm so grateful for him. Lord, I pray that you would equip this church with everything it needs to do your will in a way that's pleasing to you through Jesus Christ who dwells in this body. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.